We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. He joins us on Tuesdays to talk Georgia football. Um, brought to you by R.S. Andrews Air Conditioning, Heating, Plumbing, and Electrical. Happy New Year to you, B.A. What up, B.? Happy New Year to you as well. I know it is a happy new year. Andy, I'm proud for you. Your team is uh, very good, a lot of fun to watch. It's always a really nice thing when you feel like your guys are playing an entertaining brand of whatever sport we're talking about. And those Huskies are a lot of fun. So uh, congratulations. No doubt. They definitely make it interesting every single night, even when they don't have to. <laughs> um, and we can, we'll, we'll get to that. Cause I do want to, cause I know you, you sort of have a theory on a lot of different things. So I want to get your theory on, uh, on the national championship and who Georgia fans should be pulling for if you've thought about it. But let's start with some of what Kirby said after the game on Saturday. I don't have a ton to say about the game on Saturday. I don't know what you can say. They blew him out. It was what it was. Do you feel like what Kirby said was calculated? Is that like an application of pressure on the powers that be in college football? Yeah, I think that it is. And yet, at the same time, when I listen to Kirby in this discussion, I'm sort of still left wondering, okay, well, what is actually the tangible part of this? Like, you know, I grew up, you know, listening to like old people talk about politics, and it's always, you know, somebody ought to do something about this. And that's kind of like just a generic <laughs> phrase. Right. And there's a little bit of what Kirby says that's like, well, somebody ought to do something about this. But the problem we run into is we all care about college football deeply. Most of the people listening to us right now care about college football deeply. It's when we get into the defining of exactly what this is and what the something somebody should do that everything sort of turns into a little bit of like Charlie Brown teacher. It becomes like really hard to like have a easy flowing, sensible conversation. So, you know, Kirby said some really interesting stuff, but with all due respect to Kirby, to me, it just sort of felt like the same kind of empty rhetoric mm-hmm. that always seems to come up. Most of us agree there is something sort of not quite perfect about college football right now. And yet it seems like we are really lacking in the ability to specifically define it and therefore specifically prescribe what can be done to fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what did you think? I mean, obviously it was, a, it was a blowout and everything like that. But like some of the different players that you got to see play, like I wanted, I wanted to see Gunner play. I did. And he looks yeah. like a young player that needs a lot of developing. But you saw some traits, especially athletically and all those different things. What about some of those other young players that you saw? Maybe you're like, hmm. This could be a, a player that might help us get to where we need to be next year. Yeah, so I think the Gunner Stockton getting to play is a really big deal. And you're right. He's not ready right now. He wasn't ready this year. That's why he was only third-string quarterback. But boy, it could be a very interesting 12 months from him. And you talk to a lot of people close to the Georgia program. They just believe that there's something special about Gunner. So I think there's a chance that Gunner is still a very, very important part of Georgia's football future in the next 12 months. Gives him a chance to kind of grow into that role. You know, Daniel Harris, uh, the defensive back who had kind of flirted with going in the transfer portal, decided not to. He played a lot on Saturday, and it seemed, and, you know, one moment he got kind of got beat on a, on a deep throw or whatever, but that didn't seem to necessarily be his fault. He just kind of got beat on what ended up being a pretty good play. But he's playing a lot. I think that he's a major part of the competition for this upcoming year. You know, the notion that Mikhail Williams, who we've all seen plenty, but now, you know, maybe kind of sliding into more of like an outside linebacker type role, being more dynamic, you know, that's, I think, a pretty big deal. So 
I'm not going to try to make the Orange Bowl be more than it was, right. but I do think that it was a little bit of an indication about the fact that, obviously, as you would expect, the Georgia football future is still very bright. And I, I think you're smart to not make it more than it is, but I also don't ever like to make it nothing. Like, I, I don't agree with right. the idea that any of this stuff is meaningless. Maybe it's meaningless to you, but it clearly wasn't meaningless to the Georgia football players. It wasn't meaning, me, meaningless to Kirby. What did you think his message to them was, and maybe a broader message to Georgia football fans with the way that they played on, on Saturday? So. Here is the way that I would define this. To me, the 60-point margin of victory just shows that there is a difference between the best of the SEC and the best of another league. Now, I'm not saying that Florida State's terrible because they lost by 60 points, but they still lost by 60 points. And I'm not saying that Georgia's the greatest team of all time because it won by 60, but it still won by 60. And I think the one thing the very best of the SEC, whether it be Alabama, Georgia, whatever else, I think they have a right to make the case for it. I know Alabama lost last night, but you know there is an approach to a game like this that, that teams like Georgia have that is just different than what Florida State has, and perhaps it's understandable. I know a lot of Florida State fans are going to say, we were undefeated and we were robbed, so therefore we didn't want to be there. Be that as it may, there is a difference between the best of the SEC and the best of the ACC, and the approach to this Orange Bowl proves it. It's not, a, it's not an end-all, be-all, which means every SEC team will beat every ACC team for the rest of time, but there is a difference between how the teams at the top of these two leagues go about their business. What about that the, the game out in the Rose Bowl yesterday, B.A.? And, and Michigan, I think Michigan probably would have won it a lot more handily if they didn't have the mistakes and everything like that. What did you notice about this Alabama squad that it just seemed like it did not progress off of the great performance they had in the SEC championship game to beat Georgia? So it took me a while to actually settle in and enjoy this because I was sort of watching this through the prism of a Georgia fan almost the entire time. And the thing that kept, and now eventually the game was so good that I finally just became like a regular football <laughs> fan again and just sort of got into it. But the thing that I could not get over and was driving me crazy is the way that Michigan was defending Jalen Milrow is the way that Georgia should have defended Jalen Milrow. Georgia gave way too much deference to Milrow, too careful with him, like double spy type stuff, things like that, trying to keep him in the pocket. And they didn't rush him, and so therefore Milrow, for the most part, had the time to do whatever he wanted to do. Michigan, by comparison, was much more aggressive. Now, it's also maybe true that Michigan's defensive front's just better than Georgia's this year, so maybe that's also part of the reason they had the success they had. Maybe it's more about talent than actual schematic type stuff, but nonetheless, what Michigan did to Milrow is what Georgia should have tried to do more to Milrow. And when you say the fact that out, you know Michigan could have won it handily, to me, that's the end-all, be-all of the whole thing. I don't think that Jalen Milrow is a special player. I think he's good, not great. I think Georgia gave him way too much deference, and Michigan got after him last night like Georgia should have tried to do. Brandon Adams joining us here on the Midday Show with Andy and Randy, Dog Nation Daily podcast host. Follow him on Twitter, at Dog Nation Daily as well. Um, this was always going to happen, but but since the game ended on Saturday, we found out a bunch of these guys are declaring for the NFL draft. A lot of these guys have been a part of something very special the last three years. Um, of the guys that are leaving, which one do you feel like you're going to miss watching the most? Well, I, I think, I mean, obviously Brock Bowers leaves. He hasn't officially announced yet, but he leaves as like an all-time great. Yeah. But another answer to your question is probably Lad McConkey from the standpoint that McConkey's just really fun. You know, mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's an unbelievable story of a guy that was very lightly recruited to a guy that turned out to be a very good player, you know, at UGA. The touchdown that he had on Saturday is a reminder of just how, like, entertaining he, he can be, you know, from time to time. And I'll also say this. While the smart money was probably always 
more likely that McConkie would leave, there was at least some chance that he might would have stayed. And when you think about the issue that Georgia has next year in terms of replacing the massive statistical production from Brock Bowers, a guy like McConkie who really didn't play very much this year but did have nearly 800 yards receiving the previous year, he certainly would have made it a lot easier to replace the full like production that Brock you know, provided. And so while it's not a huge surprise that, uh, that McConkie did leave, his decision to leave makes Georgia's biggest offseason task on that side of the ball a little bit tougher of exactly what do you do and who do you kind of promote here within the game plan to do, statistically speaking, what Brock Bowers has done. McConkie's absence makes that just a little bit tougher. We were talking, me and Buck were talking about the running back position because you're, you're losing Dejon and you're losing Kendall, and now you got a situation where you saw some young backs. This, um, this Rodriguez boy from California is a big, big man, you know, running down with number zero. But then we talked about there's another guy that didn't even play this year, and Branson Robinson. How, how do you think this running back room will fold out because of the fact that you're losing two valuable upperclassmen that brought some leadership and things like that? Well, I think that Branson Robinson has still got a really bright future in Georgia, but unfortunately I feel like these knee injuries are a little bit of a two-year story. So in other words, I think the Brants will be playing, you know, next year for UGA, but it could be a little bit like what Andrew Paul was this year. Certainly what Nick Chubb was like in 2016, where when you're one year removed from that, you just may not be at your absolute best. And I think that's part of the reason that Georgia has gone and gotten Trevor Etienne from Florida out of the transfer portal, because I think that Georgia, you kind of need some sort of bell cow type running back performance that Robinson may be able to provide eventually, but I don't know how ready he is to provide that in 2024. I'll also tell you this as well. I think that Nate Frazier, another guy from California, that Georgia signed in the 2024 class, this is just probably a, as dynamic a high school running back as Georgia's brought in in quite some time. And so, you know, we haven't necessarily seen the freshman running backs step to the forefront for Georgia in a little while here. But I do think there's a chance that Frazier might could change that. So, you know, Branson's still got a bright future, but he's also going to be next year just one year removed from injury. So Etienne comes over in the transfer portal, a little bit of an eye towards Nate Frazier, and perhaps now a little bit healthier version of Andrew Paul and others. You know, that's kind of the story for what I think that George is going to try to be at running back next year. I'm just now looking at it because, you know, the game was what it was. I'm looking at the box score. Georgia ran for 372 yards on Saturday. That's stupid. Hey, all right, final one here. Obviously, national championship game's coming up on Monday. Say whatever you want. Don't be biased. We're friends. It's okay. You're not going (laughs) to – but maybe it's from a UGA perspective. Maybe it's just Brandon Adams. Who are you rooting for on Monday and why? Well, I'm rooting for Washington because I just don't like Michigan. And, you know, I don't think Michigan's win against Alabama – completely absolves all the Connor Stallion stuff that they've obviously been plagued by yeah, here. Yeah, dirty cheeks. Makes, Is he on the sideline right here? Probably. <laughs> it makes it a little bit easier to argue in favor of yourself if you're Michigan, but it doesn't completely remove all of that. However, I will We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I'll say this also real quick. You know, this to me is a battle of the way that people want college football to be versus the way that it actually is. People just naturally gravitate towards Washington because I said earlier, they're really fun to watch. Michigan, by comparison, not quite as fun to watch, but they also represent the sport as it is, where toughness and physicality does still 
really matter, which is obviously a nice thing for Georgia because that's also the way that Georgia tries to play. So that's the fun contrast in styles. You know, Washington wants to douse you with great wide receivers. Michigan sort of wants to pummel you along the line of scrimmage. And this is why we watch the sport, because every now and then it just gives you these really, really interesting contrasts. It's definitely a contrast of styles. Yep. Styles make fights, all that kind of stuff. Whoever can dictate the, the type of football game that's played on Monday is probably going to win. Brandon, yeah. thank you. Appreciate it, B. Good to be with you guys. Appreciate it. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.